You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People. This is Dr. Heidi, your toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. Um, good to be here today. I, I have to make kind of an announcement that I think is, is a little bit funny. Um, when I have clients that I get to know my private clients, you know, we talk about every week. So these type of clients get to know me very well. They probably know more about me than they want to by the time I'm done uh, working with them, but I am completely normal. Like I am an average person, just like all of you. And I have kids that are trying to get on their own feet that drive me nuts. And I have a floor that needs to be vacuumed and I have bills that need to be paid. And this morning I have a husband that booked carpet layers during this podcast session. So if you hear banging and clanging, it's because there's being carpet is being installed in my basement. So I just live a life just like you guys. Um, on top of that, you guys have been waiting to hear um, the return of the guests that I have, and we are talking about a completely different subject, and you're going to want an update on how she's been doing since she was on the podcast last, so I want to welcome back Amanda. Amanda, thank you for showing back up on the show. Thank you for inviting me back on the show. I'm excited. I know. People, people have been talking about your last podcast. Um, on the, the last time you were on, it was, I don't even know, maybe six weeks ago, you had been um, in a bad spot for a couple of years mm -hmm. and you told your story and people were very impressed that you could tell your story after being out so such a short time. So can you update us on where you are now as far sure. as the relationship that we talked about on the last podcast? Sure. So I continued no contact. Um, so that last time I was on the podcast, it was about four months. I've lost track of where I am now. It's four months plus six weeks or some or so. Yes, and um, if you've lost track and you're not counting, that's huge. Isn't it? It's great. Uh, and my husband and I are doing very well. We enjoy each other. We spend time together. We laugh together. We fight together. And, you know, I'm not going back and panicking and thinking about my toxic person when we fight, like we work it out and figure out how to do it together, which is nice. Yes. And you are also not hesitant to plan for the future because you and your husband bought a cottage. So you oh, we bought a beach cottage for sure. So yes. we are, <laughs> we're in it now. <laughs> yes. So future plans in place. That's awesome. Um, it, yes. It's, it's been a long haul for you. I know. And um, just seeing you today when you popped on with video and you're all fancy and put together and you have your eyelashes and I refuse to do video right now because <laughs> I look like I just drug out of bed. Um, but I'm so proud of you. So I just wanted to say that so the listeners could, could hear, um, because I do think that I shouldn't say that your struggle was, was worse than anybody else's, but we mm. talked a lot during that. So I was very close to your struggle and I am Absolutely. so proud of, um, of your progress. So thank you. first remind the listeners what you do for a living. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I see individuals couples and families. And that being said, we're going to talk about a sticky subject today, and it may even be a little bit sticky between the two of us. So we'll have to see how that goes. But 
since since you're into the uh, work of working with couples and working with the relationships, explain how couples therapy is supposed to work. Like, what are the goals? Well, as I, you know, you would think that couples therapy, the goal would be to keep a couple together, which sometimes it is. Um, but as I continue to be a therapist for couples, I have given myself permission. And I also talk to the couples that come in and I say, there's a possibility that you will not end up together after this. Like my goal is to help everybody be moving forward. When couples want to move forward together and they want to change, the goal is to keep them together. When couples come in and they say, well, just tell this person that they're wrong and I'm not changing and tell them that they're wrong and I'm not changing. That's those couples are usually the couples that I'm like, are you sure that this is going to be okay? Does this feel okay for each of you to keep going if neither of you are willing to shift or one of you can't shift? So then that is my next question as far as, because, you know, in, in the realm of healthcare that I did, I saw one patient at a time, you Uh know, and when I was seeing that patient, it was their neck or it was whatever. So when you, when you have couples come in, do you, do you see them through your eyes as two individual people or does the relationship then take the, um, the identity in that session? Right. So in couples therapy, there's actually three clients in the room. It's partner A, partner B, and then the relationship is the third, um, in like the third person that we're taking care of. And for healthy, healthy and unhealthy relationships, like we do, like I look at it like, okay, what's happening in this whole couple? Like I'm trying to find patterns. I'm trying to see how person A interacts and triggers person B and how person B has to figure out how to self-soothe so then they can um, reflect and respond instead of react. Like, and then watching the whole thing unfold, that's the couple. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, because I think I, I personally would, would, and obviously you're trained in this, would have a hard time remembering that the third person is in there. You know, the third identity mm. is in there. So w- when I hear, or when anybody hears, oh, we decided to go to marriage counseling or we decided to go to couples counseling, everybody's first thought is, oh, you know, they must be getting divorced or they must be whatever. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons that people would go to a couples therapist. So what are some of the reasons that you see when people come in? That might not just be the, we're headed for divorce. Sometimes people, couples want to be able to decrease the amount of fighting that they have. They want to be able to speak to each other differently. Um, I see people who have affairs. I see people who, and they, and they want to rebuild. Um, I see couples who have parenting issues once you know once kids come along their roles completely change and now they're adjusting um so many things money drinking drugs couples come in for any single all the things and some and they usually want to be together Um, And sometimes they don't. Sometimes people walk in and one member is like, okay, I want to be in this. And the other member has in their head, I'm already out. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that just what you said is, is even surprising to me because the whole, we want to communicate better, the whole, you know, we need to parent better together. I, I don't know that that would ever cross my mind when I hear, oh, somebody's going to marriage counseling. So I love that, that it's not always exactly how I see it, because as you know, I am very one track minded because of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the biggest struggle that you have as a therapist? With couples? Yeah. Oh, well, this is something that I work on with myself in supervision. Usually I am very good and this is my own thing that I work on. Um, I'm very good at supporting uh, women and I'm very, very good at going in on men. <laughs> yeah. Usually, and I will explain, usually men um, for me have more explosive, like I need to co- um, concentrate on having them figure out how to self-soothe so they're not as explosive with their anger. And women uh, can be a little bit more tricky for me to go and 
challenge a little bit. So it takes some time for that. So I, I, I have to even out the playing field basically by teaching one partner. And I guess it could be any partner, doesn't matter the sex, but right. um, I, I usually have to teach one partner how to self-soothe. So I would imagine that sometimes when, when you have a husband and wife come in, mm -hmm. I bet sometimes because you're a female, do you feel like the male then feels like, okay, great. Now I just have two of them ganging up on me. No, because I hold space for the other partner's feelings. Like I hold space for the, like, yes, it's okay to be angry. Yes. It's okay to say this isn't fair. What's not okay is for you to be aggressive and loud and name call and do this. Like mm -hmm. you can have the feeling it is not okay for you to react the way that you're reacting. You need to calm your body down before you can talk to your partner about your anger. Because I could see some of the, some of the male people that I know in my life be like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to go in there with my wife and a female therapist. Which yeah, you would think so. And there's some of them, but usually, again, I can say you're allowed to feel this way. The right. feelings are real. It's the way that you're handling your feelings that is is not okay. And that's causing issues. That's causing part of the issues in your relationship. It does take some time for the whole couple to get used to. Yeah. It's not a one-time thing. It is not a one-time thing. And I think that too is, is something that we want to talk about today. The, the deciding to engage in therapy is not a quick fix. It's not a band-aid by any means. Absolutely not. No, it is an investment, a time investment about, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, so I'm sorry. Heidi. You're fine. Okay. About six months to a year of consistently going to your therapist. And this can be for individuals and families as well. It doesn't, but in the beginning, the process of what therapy looks like is you're getting to know your therapist. Your therapist is asking you questions understanding your life. You have however many years you've been living to give your therapist in one hour. That's nothing. Um, so the first four or five sessions is a lot of joining, is a lot of the therapist asking questions, validating your feelings. And then, and that's also in couples therapy. Mm -hmm. And then it's about learning the patterns, trying to understand how partner A affects partner B and vice versa. Um, and then there can be some start like challenging can start. Okay. Um, so that's actually a, a perfect intro to what I want to say. And obviously the people that listen to me, as well as you know, that I work with people that are involved in relationships that are not healthy with them, mm -hmm. not, that are not emotionally safe for them. So mm -hmm. this is where my opinion of therapy, because I might be, you know, jaded a little bit. And your opinion is probably is probably going to butt heads just a little bit, um, mm -hmm. but the only experience I have with this is what I went through and the experience of what my clients have gone through, mm -hmm. and in my experience, especially you know with with the clients that I have and the ones that I work with on a regular basis, I know a lot about the dynamic of their relationship. I know how the toxic personality works. I know which type of manipulation this toxic person is using. So I can usually make a pretty good recommendation on, yeah, you could go ahead and try therapy or the last place I want you is in a room with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and because you're saying, okay, this is a six month to a year thing. Mm -hmm. What, what my experience is with the more, maybe I should say extremely toxic personality is if they go once, if they agree to go once, uh, usually what I see is it's, it's a last ditch effort to try and regain control. Absolutely. You know, they know exactly what to say, when to say it. And it's possible that you've been wanting to do therapy for eight years of this marriage. And finally you tell them you're done and then, okay, yeah, fine. I'll go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay. That doesn't, that's not going to be a, a six to year month commitment, you know, no, and, it if will they, not. and if they go twice, if they do agree to go twice, it's, I have found it's usually so they can try and snow the therapist because mm -hmm. we know they're very good actors. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and if they go three times, what they're doing is they're learning all the lingo. Mm -hmm. They've been there three times. They know what words the therapist uses. They know they've gone home and they've looked them up. And now they start throwing those therapy terms 
in our face outside of the therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Once then the therapist has their number or can identify that this is the toxic personality, the toxic person will refuse to go back to the therapist because that therapist knows nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and what it basically does for individuals who are being emotionally abused is it makes it worse because now all of this ammunition that they've gained by learning and, you know, by the person trying to be vulnerable and truthful, now they've got all that ammunition to then that they've stuck in their back pocket so they can throw it in their face later. Mm-hmm. So what rec- this is going to be a huge question. So I'm going to let you talk as long as you want. What recommendations do you have for those who are questioning whether they should go to couples therapy or not? Because usually when it pops up is as a last ditch effort way at the end of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that has happened to me twice in my marriage. It happened as a last ditch effort for my husband. And then it also happened with my toxic person. It was a last ditch effort. And I was like, I'm not getting in a room alone with you. So I I've been there before, um, in the client seat. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, uh, I think that it's important to look for a marriage and family therapist. Um, there are like, uh, clinical social workers and professional counselors that are, that have training in it, but the deep seated building foundation blocks really come from marriage and family therapists. Also, I'm a little biased, um, but I, I do think that it's important. And then two, whatever clinician, um, people go and find, they should be asking in the intake if there's ever been a protective order, if there's a restraining order, if there's emotional abuse, and these are separate intakes that. Okay. That's what I was just going to ask you. The other partner should not see and be part of. So there is a way for you to inform the therapist ahead of time in their intake form, what you think goes on and what you experience and how it affects you. Um, Now I'm going to interrupt you. Um, Yes. Now, if it would have been me filling out that form, I would have been too scared to be truthful on that form for fear of what would come up during the session. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can happen. And sometimes I've had clients that say like, no, I don't have any trauma. And then five sessions in, I'm like, okay, you have some trauma and I need you to be honest. So it is hard, especially because you don't know your therapist yet, to be honest. And you can write in the intake, I, please don't bring this up. And your therapist will probably say, this is a tricky part of couples therapy is um, we don't like to keep secrets from somebody. Like part of our job is we can't keep us. Like if one partner tells us that they've had an affair and they're like, but I don't want you to tell my partner, I can't keep that secret. That's not fair. So I have to say, you either tell your partner or we will come up a, a way to do it together. So when it comes to safety though, that is acceptable to say like, okay, we're going to gently, are you safe? Are you going to be? And then there's also a lot of therapists who say the things that we talk about in this room, you actually cannot go use as ammunition outside. It stays in this room. You can learn the positive skills that we learn, but you cannot, anything that your partner tells you, um, in, confidence or to be vulnerable, that's not fight. That, that's not for fighting outside here. Yeah. Now, I mean, you can say that, but the toxic personalities that I know, absolutely. They're not going to care. Think, they're not going right. to care if you say that. And that's good information though, for the therapist to know, because that will then say, okay, this person has a problem with boundaries. This person isn't respecting boundaries. And I think I got carried away though, because I was about to go start a different topic. So I want to make sure that I finished answering the question. I did a one, I did a two. Right. And then what was the original question? So, so, well, the, the original question was what recommendations do you have for people who are in unhealthy relationships when they're presented with, you know, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's, let's go to therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. These two things have, they connect. The other thing for myself is if I assess that there are unhealthy behaviors, I do a couple of things. One is figure out how to address it with the unhealthy person, the toxic person, either in individual therapy or in couples therapy. It takes a little bit longer in couples therapy. 
My issue with couples therapy is when a toxic person or an unhealthy person is learning their new skills. And I put quotation marks around that, even though nobody can see me, they take it out on their learning at the expense of their partner. Does that make sense? Like if they're trying to use their skills to not blow up and to not do X, Y, and Z there, it's not going to be perfect in the beginning. When any of us learn new skills, it's not good in the beginning. And I'm not sitting here saying, give people a chance. I'm saying everybody needs to be aware of how much they can tolerate. And if during couples therapy or the skills that the therapist is giving you, it still doesn't feel safe and good, then that like, we need to listen to ourselves, listen to yourself. This doesn't feel safe and good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they're bettering themselves, but not at my expense. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when, when we're saying healthy and unhealthy person, when Sorry. a healthy person goes into therapy, mm -hmm. because we are always hopeful that something's going to get better, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, and I'm basing it off of how I reacted mm -hmm. because I knew if I was completely truthful and really said how I felt, I knew that that night I had to go back home with this person. Absolutely. So, you know, the, and I have a lot of people, which is why I wanted to do this, this episode. There's a lot of people that don't know what to do when they are presented with the therapy thing, because they've asked for years to go to therapy. So finally, yay, they're going to go to therapy with me. And now I can't be truthful about it. So mm -hmm. for the listeners, her recommendations are just like I advise when, when you're talking to your attorney, you're going to have to be truthful if you're expecting to get what you need to get out of this, whether that's fixing the relationship or, you know, ending the relationship because not being truthful is just doing more of what you've already been doing. Yeah. It's more protecting them, even though it feels like it's protecting you. It's especially to have somebody a professional look at, have all the information and look at the patterns and look at how everything's affecting and to each of you and, or even just you and say, this is not healthy. Like what, what keeps you here? What keeps you with this person? Because okay. I say that to my couples all the time. My goal is not always to keep people together. My, my goal is to keep people moving. Okay. So in that case, and we're probably getting off here a little bit, but it, you're making me think, no, it's, it's, it's totally my fault. Um, <laughs> so if you would, if you would say, you know, okay, Heidi, what, what's keeping you here in my particular instance, I would not dare say this, but 100% the thing that was keeping me there is fear, mm. but you can't say, yes, I'm scared of them in a therapy session because again, we have to go home with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Do you ever work with, um, and back on the unhealthy relationship thing, kids with the unhealthy parent? Ugh, yes. Because I know a lot of situations where um, the healthy parent tries to get the kids into counseling, but the unhealthy parent refuses to let the kids go to counseling unless they can be in the room with the child. Yeah, so for me, again, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I love as many people that can come into session that's my jam. I, hmm. that is how I see how people interact in their, um, with their relationships and in their connections with people. Mm -hmm. So, and I also, per, as a therapist, I will not see young children alone without their parents. To me, that doesn't feel fair to put change. Like if kids need to change, to be working on them individually in a room and then send them back to their environment where their environment hasn't changed, but I'm working on tools with them. So I usually do like parents to be involved. Um, I haven't had, I've had co-parenting cases um, that are messy and maybe that's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> um, and some of them are feel sometimes very yucky for me as a clinician. Um, and I'm trying to keep people moving forward though. So I, I think, think, I think one of my things, because I'm thinking back, um, the fear factor that the kids have with the unhealthy parent, it's very, mm -hmm. it's very stressful for them to have to try and answer a question truthfully 
if the unhealthy parent is sitting there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And again, it comes down to the relationship that you have with your clinician. This is one of the biggest things for any type of therapy. The relationship, you need to be able to feel safe. So the therapist's job is supposed to be to talk with the um, child. I know this isn't what our podcast is. Talk with the child and gain the kids, gain your kids trust. Mm -hmm. So your kid will feel safe. And then there's somebody in the room. I mean, I practice this right now. Um, I, I practice stuff with my, with the kids that I see in the family cases that I have. And then I bring in the unhealthy parent and we, I'm there to help the Mm -hmm. child speak their mind and to help the parent respond in a healthier way. And if I hear outside that the parent is not responding and doing the work, then that's a conversation that I bring the parent in and I'm like, okay, well, what's stop? What's in the way? You need some individual therapy then if you want to continue to see your children. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we're, we're talking about children, but sorry, no, it's fine. But the healthy parent, the healthy person in the relationship is going to have that same fear as the kids. So it kind of all goes together. Absolutely. So, so then my next question is, is it pretty easy for you to spot? Like, I mean, you've been doing this, you've been doing this for several years. So is it pretty easy for you to spot when the, when the relationship is unhealthy? Yes. Or even when Um, the relationship is dangerous? Yes. It, it usually is. When I was in the beginning of my practice, I had um, a couple come in and they were acting so strange around each other. And I was like, what is happening? This is so strange. And later on, one of them contacted me and said, well, we have a restraining order. And I was like, why were you in the same room together? If you have a restraining order. <laughs> so now my intakes all say, is there a restraining or protective order? Because, but like my intuition knew something is off here. Like yes. and the two I of you are not own- I have my own opinions on restraining orders also, because see that, that case that you just said, mm-hmm. what that tells me is the person who had the restraining order against them didn't really care. They clearly walked over top of it. And the other one was so mm-hmm. fearful that they didn't dare say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I ended up doing individuals. We stopped doing co-parenting and we did individual. Therapy. Yeah. I bet that was a little bit sticky. So for the people who, who are contemplating this or, or who are in therapy right now, because we all know how the toxic personality works. They lie, they can gaslight, they can, can really convince anybody of anything. So how do you recommend somebody navigate the lies and um, the accusations that come into a therapy session when the healthy person knows they're not true? Because what, what I would do is I would just shut down and stop talking which then defeats the whole purpose of therapy. Mm -hmm. So therapy is very interesting because I am not, like, this is what I say to my couples all the time. We have an apple in front of us. One of you says it's red and the other one says that it's green. I could sit here all day and hear you try to convince your partner that it's the other color. I'm not here to tell you who's right or wrong. That is not what couples therapy is. I am here to help people connect and soothe themselves and um, communicate differently. So when my couples start to get into who's right or wrong, I won't participate in that conversation. I will say, okay, this is how somebody is feeling. We can't say that the way that you're feeling is wrong. So how do you want to respond when your partner says that you hurt their feelings? How do you want to respond to that now? You don't get to defend yourself at least not right yet. The first thing that you need to do is tell your partner that you hear that they're hurting. Mm -hmm. It's a process. It's not easy. Which goes back to the fact that you went to hire a marriage and family therapist who's been, Mm -hmm. who's been trained in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of marriage and family therapists and other therapists who won't see people who have um, domestic violence. I forgot. I was thinking about that before. Mm -hmm. Um, for I would, have, I would have been paranoid. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely paranoid to sit in a room and and have to disclose. Um, how? What recommendations do you do you give? Would you give our listeners to stay grounded 
because it's very high anxiety for the person who you know has be is being abused or emotionally controlled. How do you recommend them stay grounded in a session where they're where their triggers are flaring mm -hmm. and they don't dare say something? Right. So I think I've thrown the word self-soothe around a lot. And this couples therapy is a great way to great place to do it because nobody knows that you're grounding yourself. Nobody knows that you're sitting here and what's happening internally. So my favorite thing that I give all of my clients is, you know, inhale for four seconds exhale for three and do that 15 times. Nobody knows that you're doing that. And at the end of the 15th time, your brain is gonna be in just a little bit of a different area to be able to respond instead of react. Because when we're in fight or flight, all we're gonna do is react. Mm -hmm. And hopefully a therapist will be able to sense and say something like, hey, you're being quiet, what is going on? Hey, I see that you're shifting around a lot. Are you okay? Let's talk about this. Um, it's our jobs to keep people as safe as we possibly can and to notice. Right. I have to notice what, what everybody's doing. I do the same thing. Hey, I see that you're getting agitated. Do you need to go and take a walk for five minutes? So I just, I just had someone, and I'm not recalling who it was, even though I wouldn't say it, that really thought that they had a breakthrough in a therapy session. Mm -hmm. and things had gone very well, and there was a lot of communication, and there was a lot of truth being told, and, you know, the walls kind of came down, and right after the session in the parking lot, there was a ginormous blow up that, you know, everything in that session was bull, and I'm never going again, and then the therapist didn't know the difference. Mm. So, so how, when there's a situation like that, that continues to feel like, like the therapy is making things worse at home, how do you, how would you recommend somebody, do you just recommend that they stop the therapy or start individual therapy instead? I would say start individual therapy instead. <laughs> and I mean, even at some point, couples therapy runs its course, even for the healthier couples, they sometimes now we're just nitpicking, like we've, you, they've learned their skills and now they're, now we're just bringing stuff up again. And it's like, you guys know how to handle this without me. So we need to decrease for those that it doesn't actually work. I do think that it's important to get individual therapy, um, and learn about yourself and understand more about what's going on and how you want to move differently in your future. And I have to, I have to say, I am actually sitting here getting anxious, even, you are. even thinking about if I were to have to be in a therapy session with my former, right? Like just talking about that almost mm. makes me like, almost makes me start sweating. Really? Yes. And of course, you know, I didn't realize that my former relationship was as extreme as it was because it was, I was living in it. It was, right. You never it, know when you look back on it, you're like, what the heck? Yeah. And then I think about the, the times that, that I tried to get my kids in and, and it was the situation where he was in there and my kids would come out just a wreck. Mm. So because I know that a lot of the listeners, because I can't always give my opinion. I don't know mm -hmm. everybody's situation. The mm -hmm. people that I work with know their situation better, better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't, I don't want to be the one that says, don't do couples therapy if you're in a toxic relationship. And that's, that's why I want some, I'm sure there's some relationships that can do it very, very well. Yes. It's definitely more for the couples that are on the healthier end of the spectrum The I think before couples therapy happens for the other end of the spectrum where it couples are more unhealthy, individual therapy probably has to happen first. Um, and the other couples come in and sometimes one of the partners is already out and yeah. nobody knows it, right? Sometimes they're looking for, okay, I know that I'm done with this, but I'm just going to, you know, give it to them because it's their last ditch effort. And now they want to get on, but like, I know that I'm out. That. That's fine too. I think as long as, and I always take temperature check, checks of my 
couples. Okay, where are you? What am I working with? Before I put in all of my energy, I need to know where the two of you are. Because if it's not, if you're not shiftable, if you're not able to, if you're not really in this, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you to be in it. That's right. not my job. It doesn't matter to me if, if people stay apart or. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we can't control the other person anyway, Mm-mm. you know? And so the only thing we could control is ourselves. So if it ends up that individual therapy is, is better, so you can just get yourself grounded. That's, you know, that would be a great recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot sure. believe that talking about this has me so anxious. That is so interesting. Yeah. I just think back and it's, it would be like somebody in the strength within group had posted, um, something about, a you know, a road trip or having to be in the car with them. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that when I read the post, I was like, oh, I, mm-hmm. that would be the last place I would want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's strange too, as the listeners know, I've been out for 13 years. So those of you who, you know, are fighting with triggers, it's one trigger at a time and, and it's take them as they come. Cause clearly Dr. Heidi is having one right this minute. And so for the listeners, what are you doing now to calm yourself down? Well, I'm trying to, I don't use the word self-soothe, but you use it a lot. I'm trying to take deep breaths is what I'm trying to do because obviously I'm trying to record a podcast as well. But <laughs> since I just told everybody at the beginning, I'm just like you. Like I am not this, I don't have everything figured out. This is probably one of the best things that's happened on the podcast because I want people to know, you know, the healing is a continual thing. And I'm sure that you, you go through it too. Mm-hmm, I do. So, and while you're trying to calm yourself down, it's probably helpful if you remind yourself, you're not actually in a room with your former. Yes. And I'm safe. You're, and I'm you're in a safe place. And right. And you're in a different place, not only a safe place, but a different place. And it, it, then our brains go, oh, okay. But in the beginning, fight or flight comes in and cortisol is pumping. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not safe. We are safe. Um, but I get it. It's yes. And then I have to remember the relationship I'm in now. I can't Mm -hmm. get close enough to the guy. We Mm -hmm. spent four days on the Harley last weekend and me sitting right behind him. It was the best weekend of my life. Yeah. So I have to remind myself, yes, that that that's long in the past, but I, it is interesting that I just had that happen. So interesting. So what else would you like to share with people? Cause even just reading posts in, in the strength within support group, there mm-hmm. is a continual question on, okay, well I filed for divorce and now they want to go to therapy. Okay. Well mm-hmm. I moved out. Now they want to go to therapy. So mm-hmm. what, you know, just what are your thoughts on how, what are the steps that they should take to make sure they're safe when they step into agreeing to it? Mm. Well, I think first of all, before agreeing to it, especially if you've made a decision already and then they come back with their last ditch effort of therapy and I've been here, stick with what you're, stick with your gut, stick with what you said you were going to do. Like no, we're not doing therapy. There's nothing for me to do here. I, I am out of this because then they bring you back out and you go through the whole, they bring you back in and they, you do the whole mm-hmm. process over again. And it's really about, you've already come this far. There is probably, there's nothing else that they can do in therapy. And now this is me outside of my therapist role right now. There's nothing else that this toxic person can do to make up, to do better, to whatever it is undo any damage that's been done there. It's there's not, they need to do that work on their own. They need to go figure it out with somebody else. It, it can't, when we create, when toxic relationships are created, like those two people are, you know, glued together. Um, so I think, and it's, and, and you need to be able to separate from it. Yeah. And I, I just had a thought and of course it poofed out of my head, but Um, because of what you said earlier, for those right now that are listening, that are either in therapy or contemplating starting it, she said, this is a six month to a year process. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most of the toxic people that I work with will go three or four times. They'll declare that they've changed and we're Mm -hmm. not going anymore. And what I think Amanda's saying is there's, there's not change in four visits. No. And for 
This is another part of the process that happens in individual therapy, couples and families. And I'm gonna say for clarification, this is on the healthier end and maybe it can happen on the unhealthier end, but usually there's always going, there's going to be relapses, whether, so, mm -hmm. you know, the beginning of therapy, all therapy, things are usually good for the first four weeks. People are on their best behavior in front of their therapist. They have a little bit of extra skills that they're practicing. Um, like the first four weeks of therapy are usually pretty good. It's about week six where things blow up and that just because things blow up in the healthier, on the healthier spectrum doesn't mean that progress isn't being made. I love it when things blow up because that means now we get to go back, collect data and say, okay, well, what do I have to do differently? If I explode, how do I need to catch myself before I explode? What do I need to feel in my body before I get upset? Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm about to spew some awful things that I, to my partner and I can, and I, or I did, I spewed it. And then looking back, I'm like, oh gosh, I should not have said that. Like, I know that I'm not supposed to. Okay, great. Now, you know, you're not supposed to, we need to work on how you're going to repair and how you're going to catch yourself again. So, and then does it happen? Like the way that I measure progress is something happening less often. Is it happening, um, like the frequency, the duration and how heavy, like how, how deep it goes. Does that feel less than what it was before? So that's, uh, that's a little bit of the issue that comes happens when you have couples therapy is because there's two people in this relationship. So when one of them relapses or backtracks, that means that the other partner is exposed to the same negative behavior until this other person potentially maybe learns or masters or increases this healthy, positive skill. So it, it's, it can be very messy. Okay. And so from the angle that I teach your toxic personality and correct me if I'm wrong is driven by insecurity in themselves. So, you know, they need to feel the control and the power and the attention in order to mm -hmm. feel secure in themselves. So a lot of times when they agree to go to therapy and I'm talking about the toxic personality, yes. you know, when they agree to go to therapy, it is because like we said, a last ditch effort, they're feeling the loss of control mm -hmm. and they want to regain control or buy time for lack mm -hmm. of a better term in order to get that feeling of self-security back. When is it okay for the healthy person in the relationship to just realize that they're, they're probably not changing. Um, I have a, a, um, a client right now that they are on probably about week six and you just mm -hmm. mentioned week six. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, as long as there is another therapy appointment on the calendar, the behavior is very good. Mm -hmm. But if the therapist doesn't have an opening for two or three weeks, Mm -hmm. She is seeing relapses back into that behavior. But then mm -hmm. as soon as there's an appointment on the schedule, oh, the behavior changes again. Mm -hmm. When, when does somebody say, you know what, I'm, we're going to have to do therapy our entire lives in order to keep this up because the only time the behavior changes is when there's a therapy appointment on the schedule. So when is it okay mm -hmm. for them to pull the plug on therapy and just be like, yeah, this isn't working from the beginning. I mean, pull the plug from, <laughs> but if they're already in it, like nobody, just because you enter couples therapy, you don't have to stay until something explodes or until something is healed. It's you're, we are always changing and always learning about ourselves. So if one day you wake up and you're like, wait, this isn't okay anymore. You can leave. You don't have to go to couples therapy or, and the couple therapist might ask for a closing session, but you can say like, nope, this relationship is done. Um, when okay, so I love that you said that because I do think there's there is a strong feeling of commitment when people start therapy. And I think you just giving them permission to say, yeah, you know what, this isn't working for me because I'm not seeing changes or I'm seeing up and down changes. People need permission mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I'm done. Just like you, just like you have permission to leave an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Because just because there's therapy involved doesn't mean that you have to stay in it indefinitely. If that's absolutely what, not, that's huge because it's, it's kind of like the marriage vow thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well now I committed to this. So now, you know, now I can't, now I can't do what's best for me because now I've committed to this. 
So giving people permission to withdraw when they want, I think that's, that's big too, because if people realize that they could quit, they mm -hmm. might not be so afraid, you know, to go into it for a few sessions. Right. And it, it's hard to know. And it's every situation is going to be different. Every single person listening to this is going to have to check in with themselves and say, like, do I actually see progress? Am I willing to endure a little bit more of this for a, potentially some changes in progress? Or um, am I am I not there anymore? Because you can't what oh my brain stopped because I got so excited I'm sorry that's okay my brain stopped all the time so <laughs> so so basically for those listening I think I think the two things that I want you to get out of this podcast is if you decide to do therapy regardless of how you're feeling and the fears that you have you have got to be honest with your therapist whether that's on intake paperwork whether that's you know in the session but the only way that you're going to feel good about it is if you're being honest. And the second thing is you have permission to quit. Mm -hmm. I remember what I was going to say. It's yeah, a balance. It's a balance between putting yourself in a situation, like keeping yourself in that situation and seeing if your partner and the couple is going to change because couples therapy really like you couples come in and they're like, okay, change my partner. And even parents come in and do that. They're like, okay, change my kid, fix my kid. I'm like, that's not the way that this is going to work at all, especially. And this might be where you and I disagree. When I see a couple, there are, if each of them participate in some sort of way, whether that is accepting toxic behavior, whether the, right, like each of them are Cre they've created this cycle somehow together. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. So th then it's also pulling apart. And so, yes, there's one toxic person. There are two people in this toxic relationship though. Right. And it's not all about fixing our toxic person. It's also about fixing ourselves. We can't fix our toxic person. That's just not, that's not the way it works. Right. It's, do you want your relationship and, and so going into any type of therapy, even if your toxic person says to you, you need to go to therapy because you're toxic. Um, that's not the way that therapy is. Probably if you go to your own individual therapy, you're going to learn about yourself that it's time for you to be done with that toxic person. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I love this. I do agree, obviously, okay. because I, when you say there's two people in this, there's two people participating in the toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Um for sure, because I made excuses. I was in denial. I, you know, covered a lot of stuff up, um, which makes the toxic relationship more toxic because mm -hmm. I was unable to stand up for myself, which yeah. my husband did remind me, my now husband, um, you know, even though we don't feel like we have free will within a toxic relationship, mm -hmm. we actually do. Mm -hmm. And I got a little bit irritated at him when he said that, because I didn't feel like I could leave. I didn't feel right. like I had any options at all. And then when I, when I look back on it, yeah, I totally had the options to do different things. I just let fear keep me where I was. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, th I was thinking about it the other day um, for myself. Oh my gosh, Heidi, what is wrong with my brain? I'm so sorry. Repeat what you just said, that we don't have options, that we're stuck. We feel, we <laughs> feel like we don't have options when when really we do like, it's our, it's our life. It's our path. But when we contribute to the toxicity, we, mm. you know, we just dig ourselves deeper in a deeper in a yes. hole. And then we, you know, some people describe it as, yeah, I felt like I was in prison, but all of a sudden I realized I was in a cell and the door was open. Like I could have right. walked out at any time. I just didn't. Yes. I think part of this is what I was thinking. Part of what was keeping me in my toxic relationship was I knew the patterns. I knew better. I have a degree. I have a license. Like I could see how unhealthy and toxic this was. And then I beat up on myself. I start telling, I started to tell myself these awful negative things because I kept choosing this person. And I mm -hmm. like would say to myself, you're, you're choosing this, Amanda. And I'd be like, but I don't feel like I am. But every time I knew that I actually was, and that made me hate myself. 
that made me not want to be kind to myself at all. I stopped eating. Like I stopped taking care of myself. I, I was like in this awful pattern. And the only thing that would help myself would stop it for a little bit would be contacting my toxic person. And then, you know, this immediately, I would be like, what are you doing? And then there goes the self-hatred again. Yep. It's very interesting how, um, we are connected and bonded to them and how it keeps us in our, in these unhealthy relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very similar feeling what you just described. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on top of it, you know, you're trying to work on yourself, but you're really only 30% working on yourself because you're still, you know, in this, in this mess. But um, yes, this is good. This is a episode that we needed to talk about. Again, if anybody has questions for Amanda, she has um, offered to, you know, answer questions. So you guys all know how to get a hold of me. Um, you can get a hold of me through the website. You can get a hold of me through Facebook. If you are not in the support group, that's a great place to be. It's called Strength Within. It's on Facebook. Um, and Amanda is in there. So you can find mm-hmm. her in there. I hope that's okay that I said that. Um, that's fine. But other than that, thank you for being here because this is a question that comes up nonstop for me. And mm-hmm. as you know, my opinion obviously is a little bit different than yours, but I love, I love the way you presented it. And I don't think if I would have, I don't think I would have realized that I had permission to quit. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a huge thing for, for the listeners that are either in it or contemplating doing it. Absolutely. Okay, so now Amanda and I have the next podcast set up. Well, not set up, but we came up with a topic. We may end up having to do a co-parenting one. Oh gosh, okay, that one's yes. tough. Yes, that one is tough. That one's tough all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even I don't even like to use the word co-parent when it's an extremely toxic relationship because it's it's non-existent. But I know. Um, that's a topic for a different day. Yes. Um, So thank you so much for being here again. Uh, The listeners have been waiting for you. I've been had requests of different things um, from you. So I'm sure we will be hearing from Amanda again. Um, Again, you know how to get a hold of me if you have questions for her. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal, it's toxic.